This is Everyday Wellness, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve your health and wellness goals and provide practical strategies that you can use in your real life. And now, here is your host, nurse practitioner Cynthia Thurlow. Today, I was fortunate enough to bring Dr. Mindy Peltz back. I had her on an episode in 2020, episode 113, and we really unpacked the concept of menopause. And, you know, there are lots of experts in this space. You know, I think about physicians like Dr. Anna Kabeca and Dr. Christiane Northrup. And then I also think about Dr. Mindy and how she really spreads so much hope and good information for women to be able to navigate middle age in a way that allows them to authentically be themselves. We talked about a New England Journal of Medicine article, which indicates this newest generation of internists and primary care providers are really ill-equipped to manage menopausal symptoms how there are over 50 million women that are in menopause in the United States. And when you think about the physiology, the changes that occur in our bodies, hormone hierarchy, sex hormones as well, we dove into gut health and how that's so critically important for overall health. We talk about some of her best strategies for navigating middle age. And we talk about that odd word, estrobolome. And you know, kind of leave things off talking about how important it is to not be in this mindset of the rushing woman syndrome, which is a term coined by Libby Weaver. We also chatted about some gadgets, including the V-Fit and hyperbaric oxygen, brain tap, Apollo neuro, and lots of ways that, you know, we're able to navigate this time in our lives and do so as proactively as possible. So, This episode today is all about menopause and practicing the parasympathetic nervous system. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Today, I'm thrilled to have Dr. Mindy Peltz back again. I recorded with her in 2020. It was episode 113. Hard to believe it's been that long ago, but there's been so much interest in the conversations that I've had with Dr. Mindy this year. You know, we sat on a panel with the amazing Dave Asprey and Dr. Anna Kabeca, talking about fasting. And then I had the pleasure of being a guest on Dr. Mindy's podcast earlier this year. And the one thing that Mindy and I were just talking about before we started recording is that I'm at a point in my life, she's at a point in her life, we want to gravitate towards women who energetically are on the same kind of playing field mindset methodology. And so we want women that follow us and follow and listen to our podcast to feel a sense of hope heading into menopause as opposed to the sense of despair. And, you know, Mindy says it best in in your new book, uh, The Menopause Reset, you know, do you want to go surviving to thriving? And so I want everyone that's listening to have an opportunity to thrive in middle age as opposed to just surviving. And so let's start there. I know before we started recording, we were talking about, you know, you have friends and colleagues that you're starting to see some really unfortunate things that are happening in their personal lives because we're so unprepared for this time period in our lives. And I think it's, in some instances, I have a dear college friend who went through a a pretty nasty uh, divorce recently. I think they're both in better positions, but let's kind of talk about some of the feelings around middle age that women perhaps feel uncomfortable talking to their spouse about or significant other, maybe even worse yet, feel uncomfortable talking to their girlfriends or their loved ones about. So let's start there because 
we have to be able to express ourselves, even if it's ugly. Like I was telling my husband, and you'll appreciate this. Last time we connected, I was taking hormone replacement therapy and I had to do a, a timeout because I had too much estrogen circulating. I felt really terrible, long story. But one of the things that has impacted is that I definitely feel a change in my mood. And so I've really been very proactive saying to my husband, I definitely feel, you know, I'm feeling this way. I'm feeling that way. And he's been great, but I acknowledge that not every woman in middle age may have the degree of support that she needs. So what are your thoughts on how to support women emotionally and how to encourage women to talk about their feelings? Yeah. Oh my God. That's a deep question. I love it. You know, the first thing I always say when people ask me about menopause and they have a co-ed audience, I always say, hopefully if there's men listening, like, listen, because you will understand the women in your life better if you understand her what she goes through hormonally after 40. So I think there's two sides of this equation. One is helping women understand what she's hormonally going through helping her articulate that to the men in her life or the people in her life, and then giving her tools that she can thrive with. And what my own experience with menopause was, is there was none of that. Like I literally, it was as simple, Cynthia, as like at 40, I felt like a flipping rock star. Like I was like at the top of my game. I felt invincible. By 43, I was honestly having suicidal thoughts. I wasn't sleeping. I was depressed. I was anxious. It was like somebody had hijacked my mind. And all I could think was, if this is what it's like, I don't want to live in this. Like, if this is what my brain is going to do for the rest of my life, I don't want to be there. And so when I went to go search for answers, you know, it's, and I talk about this in the menopause reset, I got everything from, you know, an OB at my kid's school saying like, I don't know what to do with these people. <laughs> like, yeah. do you know you're a natural doctor? What are you doing? And I'm like, no, I need to know how you can help me. Yeah. And she's like, I have nothing. And wow. you know, what really shocked me is she literally said to me, Mindy, my medical textbooks have failed me. I have nothing to help you with. And then I went to my friends who were like three and four years older than me and they laughed and they were like, buck up. Mm -hmm. Like, you just got to suffer through this. I had my older sister tell me to get on antidepressants. I had my mother who I now realize grew up in a much different time. And so she didn't have all the physical, emotional, and chemical stress. She's like, ah, menopause was nothing. Like it, I was so confused. And that's where I think we start this conversation is to women that are feeling alone, you don't understand what's going on with your brain, everybody's upsetting you, I, right? Like, I wanna say it's not your fault. We're, you know, Cynthia, you've been there, I've mm -hmm. been there, and there are things you can do. And that's really what the menopause reset was, is like, here are the things that I know have worked for me. And we all have different opinions about HRT and bioidenticals. Mm -hmm. And there's a different path for every woman. Mm -hmm. But I think the first step is understanding your hormones are going to change after 40. Yeah. And it's, it can be brutal. So we've got you. Let's walk this together. Let's yeah. talk about it so that we don't end up lashing out at our loved ones mm -hmm. because that's really easy to do. Yeah, it definitely is. And I think there's a degree as much as it should not be the case 
because we're a very age focused culture and unpacking that could take years to review. That's a whole nother episode. Exactly. (laughs) But I think there's a lot of shame. A lot of women don't want to talk about their age. They don't want to talk about menopause or menopause symptoms or side effects of aging because they feel shameful. They feel like something, they've done something wrong and yet it's reverse puberty. That's the easiest way to describe it. I've got teenage boys who are like, (laughs) everything's ramping up. And then, you know, I'm on the other side. And so I like to remind women that there are a lot of things that change physiologically in our bodies. And I think from everything I've read, and certainly correct me if I'm wrong, I think it really kind of starts with this progesterone drifting downward as our ovaries are not producing as much progesterone and we're not ovulating every month. And yes, I get women DMing me. They'll say, I still get a period. I'm 54. Well, you're probably ovulating like twice a year. Maybe if that you may be getting a cycle, but you're there, you're knocking on the door of menopause. But I think it's really important for people to understand some of the physiologic, like broad stroke kind of physiologic things that are, that are happening in our bodies. And it doesn't necessarily just start at 43. It probably at 35, oh, we yeah. start having these fluctuations. And I really believe you know, when I was exhausted in my mid thirties and I was telling myself it's because you have a one-year-old and a three-year-old and you're chasing after two boys, it was probably very likely diminishing progesterone impacting sleep. And I just kind of was making excuses for it. So let's start there. So women can understand like, what are some of the broad stroke changes that start occurring that impact anxiety, depression, sleep quality, because it really does start that basic. Like I remind women that sleep is foundational to our health. But I think for many of us, we just kind of go, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm 45 and my sleep's not going to be like it was when I was 20, but it could be, you know, you could have restorative sleep. So let's start there. Yeah, it's such a good question. So, you know, one thing that along this journey that has like baffled me is this term perimenopause, even Mm -hmm. the term menopause, like, you know, it's like, what is menopause, postmenopause, perimenopause? But when I dove into looking at the history of women's health, we didn't have a term called perimenopause mm-hmm. years ago. And we've got women that are going into perimenopause at 35. Mm-hmm. That is not normal. We have women going into menopause in early 40s. Mm-hmm. When I started to dive into the research on menopause, uh, the natural age to go into menopause, which is officially a menopause, like postmenopause, as you've gone a year with out your cycle is somewhere between 52 and 55. But we have, I would say in my experience, I'd be curious what you notice, but in the women that I interact with, we've got like 50% or more going into perimenopause, menopause, late 30s, early 40s. That is not normal. Like we need to just stop and say that is an environmental cause. Let's figure that out. So when we look at the three hormones, progesterone being the biggest, I mean, progesterone is like, like one of the chapters I put the title of was Dear Progesterone, I'm sorry I took you for granted. Because I literally (laughs) never thought about her until she was gone. Mm -hmm. And then once progesterone was gone, I was like, wait, why do I feel anxious all the time? Why do I feel like dread? Why do I feel like the world is gonna come crashing down on me? And then the, my brain would go to like everything from my kids. Oh, or how are my kids doing? How's my marriage? How's my relationships? How's my practice? Like I used to call it my worry scan. Yeah. Like I would go and just be like, and then the brain would say, everything's okay. Why do I feel this dread? 
-hmm. And that is the lack of progesterone. So I think starting with that understanding that at 40, progesterone is going to start to make her decline. And it is the hormone. I love Carrie Jones. I have to give her credit for this. She always says it's the hormone that tells you everything's going to be okay. So if you go into your 40s and you find your brain going, everything's not okay, then just pause for a moment and try not to think outside of you because Mm -hmm. it would be very easy, especially this is the cruelty of menopause is a lot of our kids become teenagers as we are going deep into menopause. That's rough. So it's easy for us to look outside ourselves and say, well, everything's not okay because of this. And because my husband did this and my kids are doing this and the pandemic and this and that and politics and COVID and mandates. And like, we can just constantly look outside ourselves, but it is an opportunity to go, wait, maybe I'm missing the hormone that calms me in this chaos. So to me, that's where the conversation starts with helping women understand progesterone and understanding that. Then we can dive into the other hormones. But I think it's so important. I mean, I am a Western medicine trained MP. I trained at a big research hospital and institution. I arguably would say I got a pretty darn good education and I knew nothing about my menstrual cycle post pregnancy hormones. I knew nothing about perimenopause, menopause. I knew nothing. I just thought like we blissfully go from having babies and then, you know, 20 years down the road, we worry about menopause. And I just thought everything was balanced up until that point. And I can, was as surprised as probably any woman that's listening to learn that it's this kind of like, it's like a slow air leak. You know, just yeah, well of, said. Yeah, it's like a slow yeah. air leak along the way. And it's it's when, you know, the balloon loses a lot of air that all of a sudden you're like, okay, something's not okay. Yeah. So progesterone. So what happens in our bodies when we start losing progesterone? You mentioned some of the emotional and kind of physical symptoms, but I know that we have this nice little backup system, the cruel irony slash joke. It's like mother nature's ha ha on us. As oh, by the way, your adrenals can make some progesterone, but oh, by the way, now you can't handle stress like you did before. So you're going to be constantly stressing these glands that are designed to help our bodies in emergencies, but we're on like emergency backup system all the time. Yeah. You know, and this is why if I could get to every 40 year old woman, Mm -hmm. what I would say would be, okay, you're about to go on this slow decline. And the way that I look at it, and I had to reframe it into something really positive because I spent a lot of years really being angry with how my brain and body were functioning. I started to get in touch with, okay, my ovaries have shown up for me you know, month after month after month. The ovaries have released eggs, you know, however many eggs I had, but two of those eggs turned into two amazing children. And the ovaries are done. At 40, your ovaries are like, I'm out and I'm gonna just go into retirement. It's gonna take me about 10 to 15 years. And in that process, I'm gonna hand my job over to the adrenal glands. Mm -hmm. 
And it's at that moment where the adrenals are like, wait, what? Like, we haven't been sleeping. We're raising two children. If you're a working woman, you're like, I've got a job. I've got to come home and make dinner. I've got, you know, you're maybe 15 years into your marriage. You're like, I'm trying to make my marriage work still. And the adrenals are not capable. So if you're not aware of that, as you go through your 40s, it's a wild ride. So the first step is understanding the handoff that's going to happen. And what I've done, and I'd be curious your thoughts on this too, Cynthia, is that what I've done is I once I got a hold of progesterone, because like you, I had to go back to the textbooks mm -hmm. and like look at like how these hormones were playing out as I was solving my own hormonal picture. But I decided that I needed to create spaces in my week where I said no. So like Friday afternoon and Sunday afternoon, don't invite me anywhere. Like I, for my mental health, need to know if I wanna sit on the couch and binge watch, my newest one I'm binge watching is Yellowstone. If you haven't seen Yellowstone, you gotta see it. <laughs> if I wanna binge watch Yellowstone or Schitt's Creek's another one I love, mm -hmm. at four in the afternoon on Friday, I want my schedule cleared to do that. If a girlfriend calls and says, let's go get a drink, I want my schedule cleared to do that. So I cleared from noon on, on Friday, and I same thing on Sunday, I said, no, that was my spontaneous time. And I slowly started to kind of unwind all the yeses and create some buffers in my week so that I could just calm myself down. That actually really helped. That started to kind of bring some sanity back to my life. I have finally found the cleanest and best tasting protein powder. It's called Clean Simple Eats. And for me personally, I am absolutely dairy sensitive and I have been able to successfully try their protein powder with no digestive distress. I love this protein powder because it is exactly what it states. It's clean and simple. It's always grass fed with no seed oils, no junky sugary ingredients, no artificial ingredients. And it is also third party tested, non-GMO and gluten free. I think all of you know, these things are very important to me. We know that protein is one of the most important macronutrients. And for many people that are intermittent fasting, they struggle getting in enough protein in their feeding window. And each serving has 20 grams of protein, making it a perfect addition to breaking your fast or using it during the course of your feeding window. They actually have 26 delicious all-natural flavors. Personally, I like the chocolate brownie batter, but they have chocolate mint, they've got cookie dough, and they have a delicious Simply Vanilla, which you can mix with just about anything. My entire family, especially my teenagers, really like the powders, and they also enjoy the clean Simple Eats Clear Protein Drinks, which are also clean and have 20 grams of grass-fed protein each. So if you want to try this new protein powder out, I promise you will not be disappointed. You want to go to www.cleansimpleeats.com and use code wellness20 at checkout for 20% off your first order. That's cleansimpleeats.com and use code wellness20 for 20% off your first order. If you try it out, let me know what your favorite flavor is. Weight gain is one of many symptoms that our hormones are in decline, especially as we navigate perimenopause into menopause. 
Dr. Anna, who is a great friend of mine, is an OBGYN who's treated thousands of women just like you and I who experience increasing dryness and even pain in the bedroom as they get older. Jolva is the solution Dr. Anna formulated for her own clients, and it has since been loved by over 100,000 women. It's a feminine cream with DHEA that helps the body regenerate moisture from the inside out. 92.8% of Jolva users experienced a significant improvement in the first four to eight weeks. Get 10% off your first purchase of Jolva by using the link dranna.com slash Cynthia. That's DrAnna.com, Cynthia, and get 10% off your first purchase. Well, and it's interesting in your book, you mentioned rushing woman's syndrome. And so that so spoke to me because irrespective of who you are and what age you are, we are all guilty of this and how brilliant it is to say, I'm creating boundaries in my personal life to do the things energetically I need to do so that I can relax, be present and really kind of take an opportunity to tap into that side of our autonomic nervous system that doesn't get enough respect, the parasympathetic rest and repose side. And unfortunately we're in a culture that really doesn't value downtime for the most part, really doesn't value people saying no. And especially for reformed people pleasers, and I just handing my hand up for those of you that can't see me, that has been life changing. I think that in many ways, if you're listening to this podcast and thinking, oh yeah, I'm the rushing woman syndrome where I'm on the go, feel over obligated, but maybe that works for you in your twenties and thirties, but in your forties and certainly perimenopausal age range will effectively determine, I think how you're going to either survive or thrive Mm -hmm. in middle age. I see so many women. There was a neighborhood that we left last year. We sold our house in a day and moved into a rental. And now we're finally settled again. But there were women in that neighborhood every time they're up running five to eight miles every morning and they just looked haggard. And I was like, that is the worst thing you can do to your body at this stage of of the game. Unfortunately, as much as you may enjoy the runner's high, it's, you know, bumping up your cortisol. It's stressing your adrenals more. And what I found interesting when I was kind of preparing for our podcast together, and this won't surprise you at all, there was a New England Journal of Medicine article, and it was expressing concern over the fact that the newest generation of internal medicine primary care providers lacked the training to manage menopause symptoms. So this is why it's so critically important that we as women empower ourselves, get educated, get informed. And, you know, in some instances, you may have to break up with the person you're working with, and that's okay. But you need to align yourself with healthcare professionals that are going to make a lot of the lifestyle medicine recommendations that we're going to be talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a couple of things I want to highlight in that. The first is this is why we have to have conversations like mm-hmm. this. We have to normalize the messiness of Mm -hmm. menopause. That's the first thing. So as you're listening to this, like if you resonate with it, I want to create a culture where women can be vulnerable and strong Mm -hmm. at the same time. Mm -hmm. Just because you're really struggling through menopause mentally, maybe physically, there are resources to help Mm -hmm. you. And it's okay to say as a powerful woman, I need help or I need emotional support. And I think if we as women sort of take back this menopause term and say, some days you might see me happy and cheery and other days I may call you crying and I don't understand why. 
And we need to surround ourselves with women that are able to have that conversation with each other so that we, as we move through it, that's really the first thing. The second is I had to the New England Journal of Medicine's point, this is what happened to me when I went and I tell the story in the menopause reset, when I went to this doctor and we just happened to both be moms sitting at a mm-hmm. science fair. I don't know about you, Cynthia, but I try not to talk shop. Like when I'm in mommy <laughs> mode, yes. I'm like, I'm in mommy mode. I'm here as a mom, but I was struggling so deeply and we were staring at this science experiment and she mm-hmm. was a well-respected OB in our community and I was desperate. And when I turned to her and said, Hey, what can I do? Help me. And she said, I don't know. My medical textbooks have failed me. What that did in that moment is it gave me permission to find my own journey. It was actually as like shocking as her comment was what on the whole ride home, I was like, if Heidi doesn't know, holy schmoly, who's going to help me? And that's when I started to dive into Mm -hmm. it. And that, you know, the menopause reset, what I realized is, okay, there's a lifestyle that needs to change here. Mm -hmm. I truly believe that the happiest lives come from building it from the inside out and always working on the inner you, whether it's spiritual, mental, or physical, and start there instead of grasping for things outside of us. You know, we talked about how many, and I still think about this, like how many divorces happen to women as they go through menopause. The inside of them is not feeling good, yet they're pointing to the outside. So is swapping your husband out going to be the solution? I've been married, oh God, I don't even know how many years now. He always keeps track. It's like, 26, something like that. Wow. And there's like lots of iterations of marriage. We're empty nesters now, and I'm more in love with him now than I've ever been. And I think, oh, I'm so happy my menopausal brain didn't let me go down the road of blaming my struggles mentally because of my lack of hormones on him. So this is why we got to highlight the conversation so that we can understand ourselves, but also we can normalize this craziness we go through. Well, and I think so many of us are on autopilot that we're not really connecting with other people. Now, like, let's take the pandemic out of this, but even preceding the pandemic, how many parties you've been to and you're having superficial conversations. (laughs) And so I was actually saying to, you know, one of my dearest and best friends from graduate school, who's like a sister I never had. And I was saying, I'm so grateful. Like, two of my closest friends from grad school are five, 10 years older. So they went through menopause way before I did. And they're like, good for you for talking openly about it. Like we felt so much shame that we just kind of, and these are nurse practitioners. They're like literally suffered in silence. And they just said, you know, what was our alternative? And I said, it's hard for me to imagine. I mean, I know when I was really in the thick of perimenopause, just purely coincidentally, my yearly exam with my GYN, was scheduled and my period started that day. And I had been telling her my periods are very heavy. And so she did an internal exam and her first statement was, oh my God, your periods are really heavy. And I said, I've been telling you this. And before she could even say, let's talk about liver detoxification and dietary choices and lifestyle, it was, let's put you on the pill. Then it was, let's put an, if that doesn't work for you, you don't want to take a pill every day, I get it. Let's put an IUD in. Then it was, if you don't like that idea, then let's do an ablation. And if you really want to be rid of this problem, honest to God, let's just do a hysterectomy. And I was like, no, 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 and no. 
I was like, there has to be a better way. She's like, but your periods are so heavy. And I said, my periods are this heavy because of where I am in time and space. So as progesterone, this is my segue, as progesterone starts to wax and wane, we get this relative estrogen dominance. And this is oftentimes manifested in very heavy menstrual cycles, clotting, cramping, maybe your breasts are tender, maybe you've gained weight, maybe your sleep is further disrupted. And so at this stage, obviously you're hoping that you have the ability to articulate what you're feeling because what you're feeling is fat and frumpy. There's no other way around it. I remember saying to my good friend, I said, I don't know how else to describe it, except I don't feel like myself. And I'm not used to feeling fat and frumpy. I've never felt frumpy in my life and I feel very frumpy. And so talk about not wanting to connect with your partner, talk about not wanting to you know, do fun things that you normally would have otherwise done without reservation. And so I think this can further isolate women, not only from themselves, but from their significant others and their friends and their family. So when they're in this estrogen dominant kind of state, what are some of the things that you will talk to your patients about? What are some of the things you emphasize for them to be focusing on instead of the four alternatives that were offered to me that I said no to? Yeah. Yeah. And thank God you said no. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's so trying to kill that symptom at the cost of the 70 year old version of you that we want to be healthy and disease free. I think that's the real message is that sometimes in the discomfort, we just wanna throw something at it. But if we can work with the lifestyle part of this, then the 70 year old version of you, the 80 year old version of you can thrive. And that's for me, what I'm always thinking down the road at my future self. So in the menopause reset, I really put out five things and that I think need to change for women. And I can briefly go through them. I've been thinking lately about a sixth thing that we'll talk about that's sort of coming out. But the five things, the way I would do it, if I had every 40 year old woman that I could just tap on the back and be like, hey, you're 40 now, you've got to change these five things, like lifestyle has to change. So that would be like, like, I actually this, I'm going to digress for a second. But I have decided that at 40, I want every woman to get a copy of the menopause reset, not for my own selfish needs, but because I want women to change their lifestyle at 50. You know what women need at 50? I should have given it to you because you just turned 50. (laughs) Do you know what a V fit is? No. Oh my God, it's red light therapy. This is totally off topic, but every 50 year old woman needs to know it. It's red light therapy for inside your vaginal area. Wow. And it repairs the mucosal lining inside the vaginal area. And it actually can start to get like estrogen producing again, like it can balance your hormones. Anyways, totally different topic. No, but which we need. So whether listeners know this or not, when we lose estrogen throughout our body, including our you know, vaginal microbiome, it impacts these healthy, and I know you talk a little bit about this, it impacts healthy probiotics in the vaginal microbiome and they kind of die off. It's kind of like the fertilizer is the estrogen and when the estrogen goes, so do they, which contributes to all the vaginal symptoms that no one wants to even think about. And so I can imagine why that would be an incredibly useful <laughs> Yeah. useful tool 
on many, many levels. And certainly if listeners are interested in having us unpack uh, you know, <laughs> vaginal stuff, we can definitely go there as well. So let's definitely. talk about these. Yeah. So anyway, so let's go yes. back. I just had to make sure as your friend, I had to make sure you knew I about appreciate that. that. <laughs> I appreciate that. I'm writing it down right now. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> okay, so here are the five things. And as those hormones, what's going to happen is progesterone is going to decline and estrogen is going to get out of control. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have days where estrogen's high. You'll have days where estrogen low, you'll know it because your hair is going to go out of control. I can tell you as a curly headed woman that some days I have like an afro and other days <laughs> it's like stick straight and it's all because of estrogen coming and going. So the five things are first, you're going to find that as estrogen does her thing, you're going to be more insulin resistant. Mm-hmm. So you and I have a passion for fasting. This is like, if a woman isn't fasting by 40, mm, she needs to fast. And you're gonna have to compress that eating window. You're gonna need more time to regulate the insulin and glucose. What you ate at 41 is gonna put on more weight than what you ate at 31. Same meal as estrogen makes her decline, it's, you're gonna notice the weight. So fasting's number one. The second is I believe that we've gotta do variations of keto. Now, I think keto is great at certain moments and it's not so good at other moments. So this was kind of my big aha through this whole experience for myself is that when you start to look at just estrogen, progesterone and testosterone, you realize that we were actually not meant to eat the same foods all throughout the whole month. Why aren't we teaching 13 year olds that? It's crazy. So when estrogen loves keto, you can be insulin sensitive, you can go into your keto, you can go into longer fasts at the beginning of your cycle. You and I have talked about this, like estrogen loves keto. Progesterone doesn't want keto. Progesterone wants you to sit on the couch and have a tub of ice cream and a box of pizza. But we don't want you to do that either. We want to maybe swap that out for some better carbohydrates. So we start to look in our 40s at what hormone do I need? What food can I use to match that hormone? Then the third one is the microbiome. So and so many women, oh my gosh, like rounds of rounds of rounds of antibiotics, decades of birth control, and they have no diversity in their microbiome. Well, just because you make estrogen, just because you make progesterone, doesn't mean you break it down. You've got to make the hormone, you've got to break the hormone down, and you've got to have cells that can use the hormone. So it's the microbiome that's going to break those hormones down. So what are you eating? Are you eating the same foods over and over again? When you make a salad, are you always doing romaine lettuce with Caesar dressing, or do you Put, like I love putting mint and basil and parsley and microgreens. Like you got to open your foods up. I do like chicken and and beef and goat and bison and all different kinds of fish and duck eggs and chicken. Like I'm constantly trying to open up the variation of foods I eat to feed my microbiome so it breaks the little bit of estrogen and progesterone I'm getting at 52. Like it breaks that down. So really pay attention to your microbiome. The fourth is toxins. And this is a hard one. Let's use lipstick as an example. The lipstick you put on at 30 that has lead in it, you may have not noticed it. At 50, it could be building you cancer. 
So we've got to swap out our beauty products, make sure we're doing natural beauty products. We've got to look at our household cleaners. Like we got to dive in and start to look at our toxic load. As estrogen's doing its up and down and is kind of crazy, a lot of toxins come out of stored tissues and they go up into the hypothalamus and pituitary and they start to mess with our hormones even more. And then the last piece is what you said, and I didn't coin that term. You got to bring Libby Weaver on. You got to bring her on. She's just, if I love this woman because she wrote a book called The Rushing Woman Syndrome. And it's the biochemistry behind what happens when we rush. And I will tell you as a strong woman, Mm -hmm. uh, my mom taught me, you're a woman, you can do whatever you want. But what she forgot to say was, except when you go through menopause, (laughs) you're going to need to chill out a little bit because the rushing woman does not thrive in menopause. So I had to unwind and learn the things we talked about in the beginning and say no to more. And another part of the rushing woman that I think is really important is surround yourself with women that are okay when you say no. So like my closest friends, you know, if they want to invite me somewhere and I'm over rushed that week and I say, sorry, guys, I'm going to sit on the couch. I just need to rejuvenate. They get it mm-hmm. as opposed to women going, come on, come on, let's go. Don't be a loser. Don't be a downer. Like, <laughs> let's go do this. Like we need to just this to me, 40 is where we should just start to nurture each other in mm-hmm. making these lifestyle changes. Yeah, no, it's so beautifully stated. And the lifestyle aspects that you addressed are really the most important. Unfortunately, as a traditionally Western medicine trained nurse practitioner, I always say we need everyone. We need the traditionally trained, the integrative medicine trained, we need them all. But when it comes to kind of proactively looking at how to deal with the problem, and I'm putting in quotes, the problem that is menopause, the first place to start is not with hormones. It's not to suggest that there might be a place for someone in that whole milieu but the lifestyle stuff you have to start with, it's much, much harder. I mean, I say this probably every single day in groups with one-on-ones on social media, say it is much harder to say no, to set boundaries, to change your diet, to not eat as often. That is much, much harder work than just getting a prescription for medication, which is not to suggest that there isn't value for people that need prescription medications. I'm not suggesting that at all, but how many women come to me, probably come to you and, you know, they go through menopause and they get put on a bunch of hormones and their body's not ready to process said hormones properly. And they end up putting on a bunch of weight and then they're even more depressed. And so they come to you, they're mad that they've gained weight. They're tired. They can't sleep. They're on hormones and they haven't done any of the other work. And so I always say we have to do the foundational work. And one thing that you touched on, and I want to touch on a very ugly word that I know we both have laughed about before, the estrobolum. So when we're talking about diversity of gut bacteria and we're talking about estrogen, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about this ugly terminology for how our body can break down, detoxify and get rid of estrogen. And I think there's this misnomer that everyone, just because they poop every day, they're getting rid of estrogen. And this is such a misunderstood concept. Like I have women that are like, you don't understand. How could my beta glucuronidase be high? How is my phase one and phase two liver detoxification not optimized? I poop every day and I'm like, cause you're recirculating all the estrogen. Yeah. And so let's at least talk about this 
oddly termed. I know, right? What, <laughs> what do we, I call it the estrobilome and then um, I hear other people call it something different. So yeah. it's kind of like autophagy, autophagy, like mm -hmm. whatever floats your boat, say it that way. Tomato, tomato. Um, Right, exactly. Yeah, you know, when I was trying to put my own puzzle together, I started with those three hormones. So, mm -hmm. and we definitely need to talk about testosterone because mm -hmm. that's another one that doesn't get enough attention. So I literally started with progesterone, trying to understand her. And then I understood, okay, I need to keep my adrenals in good shape to keep progesterone up. Okay, I get that. Now, estrogen, what do I need to understand about estrogen? And that's when I dove into understanding the estrobilome. And that, like, if you think about it, how many women have you sat with that have been on 20, 30 rounds of antibiotics? One round of antibiotic destroys 90% of your good bacteria, including the bacteria that are gonna break estrogen down. So if you have not done any microbiome repair and you go running into menopause, Whew, that's gonna be a hard one because you've gotta bring that microbiome back so that it can break estrogen down. And luckily, bringing the microbiome back is actually can be pretty quick. Those bacteria can replicate. So I always tell people, like I said, improve your diversity of food. Look at what I call the three Ps, your polyphenol, probiotic, prebiotic foods. My favorite thing to remind women is the 40s is when you need to start to bathe in sauerkraut. Like more sauerkraut, more kimchi. Mm -hmm. And when women are like, I don't really like those, they don't taste good, I always say, you know what, when you were in college, you would do shots of tequila. Did you like those shots of tequila? Like most of us didn't, but we did it to have an effect on our body. Right. I'm thinking that sauerkraut might be the same. Like if you don't <laughs> like the taste of it, eat it anyways, because mm -hmm. it brings this good bacteria back into your gut and that's gonna help you break down estrogen. So to me, the estrobilome needs to be nurtured. It needs to be fed. Your microbiome is like a little pet that, you know, when you sit down and you stroke your dog, you feel calm. Well, that pet is inside your gut. So when you eat a cup of sauerkraut and maybe some, you know, put some chia seeds and hemp seeds on your salad, you are starting to repopulate that microbiome and you're gonna get more GABA, you're gonna get more serotonin, your immune system, you're gonna break down estrogen, you'll start feeling different just by a food choice that supports that microbiome. I've been using MitoPure for the last two years and I've added this to my routine for multiple reasons. Number one, it's a foundational supplement for me and my family. It keeps things simple and I know that I cannot get enough of urolithin A in my food to derive the same benefits. And if you're not familiarized with urolithin A, it's a signaling molecule, but it's also actively involved in anti-aging, energy production. And I take Timeline because of its remarkable remarkable healthy aging solution that activates key critical cellular pathways in my body. It's a total game changer for healthy aging. I alternate between using the soft gels and powder depending on whether or not I'm traveling. And we know that restoring cellular energy is a key to enduring health. And this is concluded in a recent publication in Nature Metabolism, which is a top scientific journal 
identifying that newly energized cells may provide many more years of healthy life to people. Yet as we age, we know that cellular energy production naturally declines and reduces our prospects of optimal health and longevity. That's the great thing about Timeline is you can restore cellular energy and support healthy aging. I've noticed the biggest improvements in my energy and sleep levels. We know that Timeline is clinically shown to give our cellular energy generators, the mitochondria, new power. And when taken daily, it replaces aging mitochondria. So it upregulates mitophagy and rebuilds new ones or mitogenesis. Timeline is the only nutrient that can do what it does. So Timeline renews your cells to a more powerful state. My listeners can get 10% off your first order at timeline.com slash Cynthia. That's 10% off at timeline.com slash Cynthia. I know you're going to love this product. Today's podcast is sponsored by NutriSense. It combines cutting-edge technology and human expertise so you can see how your body responds to different types of nutrition, stress, exercise, sleep, and where you are in your menstrual cycle in real time. And by pairing a continuous glucose monitor with their app and expert nutritional guidance, NutriSense can help you reach your health goals. And the best part is it's not just a program where they send you the CGM and you have to figure it out on your own. Each subscription plan includes one month of free expert nutritionist support. Your nutritionist will work with you one-on-one interpreting your data and providing customized advice to help you reach your health goals. The last time I had my CGM on, my registered dietitian and I troubleshooted over some specific concerns that I had. And whether you're aiming to lose weight, stabilize your energy, or just feel better overall, NutriSense offers the guidance and support you need. And lasting sustainable change takes time and can be achieved through a longer term subscription. That's why I encourage my patients and clients to consider three, six, or 12-month subscriptions where it's actually less expensive and allows you to not only achieve your goals, but also to ensure that you stick to your healthy lifestyle for the long term. As I've mentioned before, I have found the CGMs I've used through NutriSense to be incredibly insightful, specifically to carbohydrate tolerance. I would not have known that plantains spiked my blood sugar without this information. It's also been hugely helpful for tailoring to workouts and sleep quality. And so for me, even though I am metabolically healthy, I find the insights to be particularly helpful to tailor my lifestyle changes to my blood sugar. Visit NutriSense.io slash EWP and use the code EWP for $30 off plus one month of free nutritionist support. Be sure to let them know you're a listener of the Everyday Wellness Podcast when they ask you how you heard about them. This is one of my favorite ways to take care of my health and one of my top recommendations for all of my patients and clients. Yeah. And think about the average person, you know, in 2019, I had this long hospitalization, had six weeks of antibiotics and antifungals, which I needed because my appendix had ruptured and I had a slew of medical maladies that still completely defy the odds of how I got out of the hospital. But I remember reading one round of antibiotics and I forget which researcher said it could impact your gut microbiome for up to 18 months. And so I was in my head thinking, is this going to take me years to be able to get back to a point where my gut is healthy again? And so, you know, what I want to caution people about is that there are going to be times where you needed that antibiotic or you needed to make a dietary change, you know, 
it's not as if because you've taken an antibiotic, this is an impossible mountain to scale. What we're saying is, is that there are things you can do. And I love fermented vegetables. Like I had a whole like Insta story on being in Whole Foods and being so excited because there were so many options, so many options, even some new ones. And so finding opportunities to kind of re-inoculate the gut microbiome with really healthy things. We know there are certain foods that impact our gut health in really non-beneficial ways like sugar and, you know, the hyperpalatable, highly processed foods. So the less processed, the more akin to nature. I love the variety. Shop at your farmer's market. I don't get a plug by the farmer's market, but I love encouraging people to shop locally, support your local farmers, do a cow share if that appeals to you. I have to admit, you, the fact that you eat goat, that makes you a total badass. I, <laughs> this, year, this year, we tried some different things. We had elk, we oh. had ostrich, and we've had wild boar. So we're definitely like, we're dipping our toes in the pond, but like bison is a regular thing in our house. And we eat a lot of meat, but I'm finding we have to kind of dip the toe in the pond a little bit just to kind of see like if the kids eat it, then I'm like, okay, we can buy it again. If they kind of go, yeah. uh-uh. like the elk, We've had elk a couple ways. Elk was a little too elky, but <laughs> too um, gamey. It's a little, yeah, it's a little gamey. Like, we're going to try it. Yeah. Have you, you tried know? liver or chicken hearts? Have you gone into organ meats yet? So my mom is Italian and I will say that my mom was crunchy before we knew what that was. So yes, when I was a kid, we ate organ meat. I didn't like it. I still don't love it. I do try like pluck. Have you tried pluck? No. What's that? So it's like a seasoning made with organ meat. Oh, it sounds kind of weird, but like we've been using it, like I've been using it arbitrarily in things and it really improves the taste quality and it's super high. You know, it's interesting. It was gifted to me and then I decided to try it. And now I like it. It's going to be part of like my holiday gift guide recommendation. Like go check this out. I don't have an affiliate with them or anything like that. But I'm like, if it's a way that we can get more organ meats into people that are scared of organ meat, like what I used to do is I would freeze calves liver or any type of liver and I would kind of cut it into bite-sized pieces and then I swallow it. That's the only way I could get it down. I think I'm, I'm a hyper taster. So I suspect part of my issue is that it, the metallic taste is so strong mm, yep. that I just can't get beyond it. How about you? Yeah. So we ventured into chicken hearts mm. this summer. So one of the upsides of the pandemic, my son was a senior in high school in 2020 and he started a cooking club where on Monday nights, his friends would come over and cook and they started cooking all these different things. And so he got really adventurous. So I said to him, would you do chicken hearts? And he's like, yeah, I'll do chicken hearts. So I just sauteed them in a pan with, I bought them at the farmer's market, sauteed them in a pan with garlic and onions and butter. And he loved them. 18 year old boy, we, the rest of us liked them. We didn't love them, but they're packed with iron, which yeah. is so good for menopausal women, mm-hmm. especially if you're going through that hemorrhaging where you are like mm-hmm. having these really strong blood flow. Like chicken hearts are great for that. They're also four chicken hearts have 68 grams of protein in them. So they are massively rich in protein. They're just a little creepy to eat. I'm yeah. not gonna lie. They yeah. have a little aorta stuck on the top. <laughs> yeah. So you know, if you have to chop them up, my husband was going to put them in lasagna or something like that, do it. But if you can stomach some of those organ meats, they definitely pack some nutrition that you can't find elsewhere. 
Yeah. And it's interesting. I interviewed Paul Saladino. I don't know if you follow yeah. Paul. And yeah. I remember one of the questions that came up from viewers that they wanted me to ask him is, you know, what did he eat that day? And he was like, well, I had spleen, I had pancreas. And I met, I was like, Paul, you are a whole other level and I, you're a total badass, but I have a texture issue. I'm not sure I could get that down. Maybe if it was mixed in something, I might yeah. be able to process that. But yeah, that was Whew, but hats off to your son. That's amazing. And good. Not amazing. So open-minded. That's incredible. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was shocked, but to the point that it is now, I think all humans would benefit from more diversity of foods. Mm-hmm. We really right. get locked into eating the same vegetables, same mm-hmm. meat, same thing over and over. I can tell you between my online world and my clinic practice, we've probably run, I don't know, 10 to 20,000 different gut zoomers mm-hmm. on people. And nobody, not one stool test has shown up that people have enough diversity of bacteria. That's crazy. So you get diversity by improving the diversity of the food you eat. That's the bottom line. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because you obviously mentioned Dr. Terry Walls, who I have mad, crazy respect for. And I've had on the podcast a couple of times and she talks about nine cups of vegetables a day. And I remember saying to her, I was like, nine cups, you really eat nine cups of vegetables a day? which was astounding, but if you cook them down, then it's not quite so kind of insurmountable. But when she talks about polyphenols and talks about how important they are, that's why I drink green tea. I'm probably the strangest adult on the planet. I don't like coffee and I really don't like tea either, but I brew green tea every morning for my husband and myself. I let mine cool. I stick a straw in it and I slurp it down. That's my whole methodology because it's so bitter, but I'm like, it's good for me. It's good for me. And there are a lot of things like I roasted radicchio recently. And I mean, it is a bitter vegetable. And so I remember saying to my kids, I was like, I want everyone to have a couple bites. And my kids were like, wow, this is so bitter. And I said, but it's good. Like we need these things. there, There are nutrients in these vegetables and in these items that our body desperately needs. So I agree with you. I would imagine most, if not all Americans flavor profile tends to lean very sweet because there's so much sugar in so many condiments and drinks and things like that. So our palates really, I mean, bitter is a lot to kind of wrap our heads around along with organ mates and things like that. Now I want to be respectful of your time, but one of the other things that your book really does a nice job with is kind of touching on I like to call them gadgets or fun things to play with, V-Fit notwithstanding, but um, <laughs> I have a vibration plate behind me in our new house. My husband didn't know where I wanted it. So it literally sits behind my desk. And so in a vain effort not to sit a lot of the day when I'm working, I will get on that as a modality to do something. So what are some of your favorite gadgets that you integrate into your work with women that you find are very beneficial I love that you talked about brain tap because I thought to myself, oh my gosh, I don't even know where my brain tap is. I bought it and then I'm not sure I've used it in a while. I'm like, maybe that will encourage me to go find it. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of biohacking equipment that I love and I've tried everything. Our clinic, actually, we have a hyperbaric oxygen. Awesome. We have a pulse PEMF. There's, we have sauna, red light therapy. So we've put a lot in the clinic here, but those are expensive pieces that you have to go to a clinic and use. I'm now kind of geeking out on some of the home stuff. That's cool. Is that your whoop? That's my Apollo Neuro. Oh, I don't know. I'm not familiar with that. Yeah. Yeah. So for starters, hyperbaric oxygen, if you have a ability to get into a hyperbaric oxygen, that's my Benjamin button machine, I call it. Like (laughs) I come out of that and I'm like, whew, 
I think I'm like 25. Mm -hmm. It really, my workouts change, my brain changes, my energy, my moods, like that is amazing. But that's also not necessarily approachable mm -hmm. for everybody. I think infrared sauna is really important. I'm testing some of those blankets right now at home where you can just crawl into them, but mm -hmm. you gotta sweat. You know, a lot of estrogen and testosterone is made on our skin. So we need to be sweating on a regular basis. So infrared is great for that. Red light, I've been playing with red light everywhere from my face to my thyroid. This is actually really interesting. I had my thyroid tested at the beginning of the summer. I usually do a blood test at least every year on myself, but I really wanted to kind of micromanage to see where my thyroid was at. So a few of the numbers were off. The summer got busy. I didn't really take any supplements or do anything different. I did two things. I tried to reproduce the hyperbaric study that was done 60 or sessions of hyperbaric in 90 days lengthen telomeres and slow down aging. Wow. So I tried to reproduce that. It's hard to, do, <laughs> to get 60 <laughs> hours and 90 days. So, but that was, I did that. And then I did red light therapy with a juve every morning, the mm -hmm. little mini on my face, but I also was on my thyroid. I retested my thyroid at the end of the summer and every single marker was normal. I had a friend look at the two and I was like, what do you see the uh, integrative medical doctor? I'm like, can you look at this and tell me what you see? And he's like, your thyroid is amazing. That's awesome. I didn't take supplements. I didn't do anything. So some of these biohacks, uh, mm -hmm. red light, the other one I'm playing with right now are those PEMF mats. Mm -hmm. Have you done any of those at home? I have not done that. That's why I was like, I'm hoping that you'll talk about it. So it'll encourage me to, you know, kind of do more work in that okay. area. So PEMF, here's what I love about PEMF. We have the human cells, our human cells resonate at very specific frequencies. Mm -hmm. And our frequency that calms us, that is really the best for our human makeup, this isn't even the microbiome, our human cells is pretty consistent with the earth. So when you go out for a hike, you could say, well, I feel really good because I'm out in nature. But what you don't realize is that you're actually create you're in a frequency, the frequency is 7.8, by the way, it's called Schumann's frequency. And you are at the same frequency that your human cells like in order to stay calm. Now, right now, I've got my phone next to me, I've got the computer, I've got lights on. When we are inside around a lot of gadgets, we are operating at a different frequency that's actually agitating to our human cells. So what's happened with PEMF, what is so amazing is it puts you back into this calmer frequency mm -hmm. that relaxes the body, brings, it'll raise GABA, it will uh, support your parasympathetic nervous mm -hmm. system, for me, it's like a tranquilizer. So like we just got it a couple weeks ago and I got on it one night and within five minutes, I was like, boom. Like I literally went from chatting with my husband to asleep on this PEMF mat. Like somebody had tranquilized me. Last night he gets on it and he falls asleep for four hours and he came to bed at two in the morning. I asked him this morning, I'm like, what happened? He goes, I got on the PEMF mat and I fell asleep for four hours and then I just happened to wake up. So it is really good, especially for a menopausal woman, mm -hmm. because when that progesterone isn't there, you can pop on one of those mats and you can just get some sense of calm back to help with perspective, to help with your life. So Cynthia, I try it, try it. It's impressive.
Is there a particular brand of PEMF? Yeah, the one I'm using right now because it's a woman-owned brand and I really like supporting women is put out by Higher Dose and Uh it's infrared mixed with PEMF. It's literally like a yoga mat, but a little thicker. It doesn't roll up like a yoga mat. It kind of folds. So we've tried to figure out where we want to put it. It's on our couch right now. So the dogs even got That's why your husband fell asleep for four hours. Yeah, right. Exactly. I don't recommend that protocol, but I'm pretty happy with it. It's so far so good. So check it out and tell me what you think. I definitely will. You know, it's funny. What I was showing Dr. Mindy was the Apollo Neuro. And so it's a device that was designed and there's good research is initially designed for PTSD patients. And so I had the honor of bringing Dr. Dave Rabin on to talk about the technology. And so, pardon me, for shits and giggles, in 2020, I decided I needed one. And so I wear it when it's on my ankle, it looks like a home monitoring device, which embarrasses my children. But I generally wear it on my wrist. And what it does is it's gently getting yourself more aligned and not being in the sympathetic, being in the parasympathetic rest and repose. And so I keep it on my desk as a reminder because it's not realistic that I'm going to meditate throughout my day, but I can put this on and there's like nine different cycles, but it's probably one of my favorite gadgets that I have that I've been using, but I'm always looking for something new. Like to me, there's always some other thing I can add to the milieu that I think can be super effective. So you have two things now you're going to get the V fit. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> You'll let My me husband know will be so that... happy to hear this. <laughs> <laughs> let me know how that works and get the mat. Uh-huh. And, you know, we have my friends that are all in the functional health biohacking world that are all going through menopause. We call it practicing parasympathetic, mm-hmm. that you've got to search for ways to strengthen your parasympathetic nervous system. And when you don't have the progesterone that you had when you were 30, these tools actually become ridiculously important. And I had a lymph specialist who did a full lymph analysis on me recently. And she said, you're so sympathetic dominant that if you go into parasympathetic, you probably wanna sleep. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's me. Like put me in the hyperbaric oxygen, put brain tap on me, get me on the PMF. There's no in between, I just knock out. And she said, that's because your parasympathetic is, your sympathetic is too dominant and your parasympathetic is too weak. So you probably feel best in action. You feel best when you're doing it because you're stepping into your sympathetic. Mm -hmm. But as you and I both know, over time, not having a good balance from parasympathetic to sympathetic. I mean, that's what causes cancer and heart disease. And, you know, that's not an option for 70 year old version of me. Like she needs me to practice parasympathetic. So that's where I love these biohacking tools. Yeah, there's so many great options and obviously various, you know, price points and there's something for everyone. You know, the way I got my engineer husband to meditate was to buy him a muse which is this headband that you wear that kind of trains you into meditating. He loves it. Like it's his thing. He goes every morning after we take our walk outside without sunglasses on, walk our dogs outside for an hour. That's part of his thing. He goes and does his meditation and then he showers. And so if you're listening to this and thinking, there's no way my significant other husband, spouse, et cetera, would ever do this, they will especially if you are, you know, modeling good behavior for them. Well, I always love connecting with you. I am absolutely going to recommend that women check out the menopause reset. What I love about it. And again, I was mentioning this to you before we started recording. It's reasonable. Like you could throw it in your purse. 
it's not so large and overwhelming. Like I sat down and skimmed and read it over the weekend and earmarked a bunch of pages, which kind of drove a lot of this conversation today, but definitely a book that I would recommend for all women. And don't wait until you're in menopause, like do these things when you're younger so that you won't hit the wall, the perimenopause wall that I hit which is what started the whole TEDx desire to do a TEDx was because I wanted people not to be ashamed to talk about what's happening to their bodies. And I'm so very grateful to be connected to you and just wanted to express my gratitude again for having you on. Please let listeners know how to connect with you. And let me just preemptively say, Dr. Mindy has a prolific YouTube channel, like so much good resources there. Like that's a great place to start, but where else can they find you? Yeah, I mean, I always say that YouTube is my passion project like you. I just have a, I'm going to say an unusual fascination with (laughs) fasting. I think the reason I love fasting is the body is miraculous. Mm -hmm. And when you fast, you understand that for the first time. So every article I could ever find on fasting, any tips on fasting, it's all there on that channel. So you can go there and look at that. Instagram's kind of like, I put my food, I put my life, I put my dog, I put my kids. (laughs) Like, if you want to see like what those five things that I talk about in the menopause reset, if you want to see what that looks like, come find me on Instagram. And if you get confused, you can go to drmindypels.com. And I love, by the way, I have to say that the idea behind the menopause reset came from my YouTube followers. Mm -hmm. They kept asking me, what are you doing for menopause? What are you doing? I was like, well, I'll just put it in a book. And then I realized like, if you're going to write a book for menopausal women, you better keep it short because she doesn't have time Mm -hmm. and she doesn't have the brain focus. So I love that, that women can read it so quickly. Yeah. Um, Well, thank you for taking the stigma out of what is a normal process for women to go through. And thank you for, you know, getting the conversation going, because mm -hmm. I think there are far too many women that are suffering in silence that don't realize things could be better for them. And so that's why it's so important for us to continue to keep the conversation going so that people can learn and be inspired. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And thank you. I mean, again, I really feel like as women and you and I are both out there helping this generational Mm -hmm. place that women are in is that the first is we have to bring it to the surface. We have Mm -hmm. to bubble it up. And as you know, there's only one person can only get the message out so much. We need to get more. And not to speak poorly of the male health influencers out there, but honestly, I feel like, you know what? If you want to talk about menopause, don't go to a 50-year-old or 45-year-old man. (laughs) Come to some 50-year-old women that have gone through it and are living this with you. So kudos to you for having this conversation and everything you're doing as well. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Everyday Wellness. If you loved this episode, please leave us a rating and review, subscribe, and remember, tell a friend. And if you want to connect with us online, visit the link in the show notes.